Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On this episode of TFL Talking Trucks podcast, we're going to get to the bottom of this question. How do I best match my truck to my trailer? And we have a very special guest to do this. Uh, but he, let me just introduce this uh, briefly because we get this question almost daily, maybe sometimes several times a day, where a lot of you guys, the listeners and the viewers, uh, you write to us um, and say, I have this truck. I want to go outdoors, I want to enjoy it, I want to buy a camper. Uh, what camper should I buy in order to actually have a good match, be safe on the highway? Or vice versa, I have a really nice camper, uh, I want to make sure I buy the right truck to tow it. And um, for this discussion, I have a very special guest. It's JD from Big Truck, Big RV. Hey, how's it going, Andre? I'm glad to be on the show. It's the uh, first time we've, I think, collaborated together on this. This is awesome, man. Yeah, dude, thanks for being here. It is the first time we really collaborated. I mean, I have seen you in a couple events. Uh, we, you know, we kind of passed by each other and talked uh, about some other topics. But here for the podcast, this is kind of the first show we're together, which is thank you. Oh, no problem. It's, it's actually an honor of mine because, uh, to be honest, long before I had a YouTube channel, I was watching TFL and I was watching you guys. Um, you guys put out such great content across all of your channels. It's um, it's it's actually kind of a, an honor to be on your channel. I know we've we've passed each other and spent some time at some of these events, like you said, but you know to be able to finally get on a call so we can kind of collaborate and, and talk to our viewers about some of the important things related to towing is is a great thing for everyone. I think. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And of course, you're in Texas and I'm in Colorado. If we were in the same city, of course, we would have been together. But, anyways, um, so you have a lot of experience with. Um, also, I mean, you've owned many different camping trailers and you have a lot of experience actually, you know, studying the trailers themselves. And also, of course, you've owned many trucks. So you have, a, you know, really real world experience with this. And the TFL truck, we do the iGauntlet, of course, which is the world's toughest towing test. We don't always tow camping trailers, uh, but we tow, you know, other trailers like 
uh, cargo trailers with you know added ballast uh, to simulate certain loads. So definitely um, I, on the show, I want to get to the bottom of this question that we get very often. And uh, I want to start with heavy duty trucks because this is where kind of the, some of those bigger tra um, camping trailers, um, that's where the best match comes from. And also kind of see what your opinion is also on maybe in each segment, like heavy duty segment and also half ton segment, which is just like an F-150 or Silverado 1500. What do you think is kind of like the better options, option trucks for towing? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So great segment. And it's definitely one that I get asked quite often on my channel as well. And, you know, you can quickly get a interesting response when you start talking about the differences between half ton trucks and three quarter ton, one ton trucks, oftentimes by folks who have owned one or the other, or maybe moved from one to the other, because towing experience uh, and having experience driving and towing with different types of trucks ultimately will guide your decision on what you think is going to be better for you and for your situation, especially when towing an RV. Yeah, and RV trailers, I mean, there's a whole gamut now, right? So uh, there used to be just kind of these big, um, you know, basically rectangle giant trailers. But now, I mean, there's more prol proliferation of uh, the, the trailers that are becoming more popular are also like teardrop trailers, pop-up trailers, off-road trailers. So uh, are you seeing that too? I mean, there's getting to be a, a lot more interest in the space. Oh, you're absolutely right, especially, you know, because of the pandemic and because of people's kind of fear of traveling by plane or, uh, you know, the the former type of recreational trips that people used to go on where they'd rent a hotel room or go to a resort, that, that mindset has changed a lot now. People tend to be, you know, of the mindset that I want to be more independent. I want to be in my own place. I want to sleep in my own bed. And that really has driven the production of all sorts of different types of RVs that in the past may not even have been very popular. So, you know, these super huge RVs are, are just getting bigger. They're just getting heavier, but you're also seeing a huge influx of lighter weight, smaller, more, more easily towable units like these teardrop units you're talking about. So absolutely everything across the board has just multiplied in terms of RV growth from every possible floor plan and size. So let's start with kind of the big guys, the big trailers and trucks and kind of move our way down in the classifications and weights. Um, and you have a lot of experience with this. So let's look at like, you know, if I have a big fifth wheel camping trailer, you know, and, and these are, can be very, very large up to what 42, 43 feet long. Uh, they're very tall, also can be very, very tall because they accommodate bedrooms and all kinds of things inside. So let's start there. Sure. So when you look at your fifth wheels, which will typically be, you know, anywhere between about 34 feet on the ultra short size, all the way up to 46 feet, if you go for some of these extremely long toy haulers, and everywhere in between, your typical large fifth wheel will generally be in the 39 to 42 foot range. And believe it or not, that limitation is generally dictated by the factory it's produced in, the ability to actually fit an RV that, that's that long down the production line without hitting some type of support column in route. So when you look at the average large fifth wheel, 
and you look at how it's designed, well, the reality is, is manufacturers of RVs are constantly trying to reduce weight. They're trying to find ways to make it lighter, typical to like what Ford did with the, alumi the aluminum truck, right? To basically find a way to shave weight off of the overall unit so they can make it larger and they can give you some capacity back. Because just like trucks, you have that gross vehicle weight rating and then you have the empty or dry weight. And then what you have in between is essentially your cargo capacity. So when you talk about these large toy haulers, oftentimes when you get 44 to 46 feet long and you're talking about you know this huge you know fusion or raptor toy hauler you're you're really seeing them try to reduce as much possible weight so they give you as much weight back in terms of capacity for whatever toy you're going to throw in the back but oftentimes what people don't realize is you have to offset that weight right it's kind of like a seesaw you have to say okay well how much weight is going to be resting on the back of the pickup truck if I'm having to factor in how much weight I'm throwing on the back of the fifth wheel? And sometimes people will get a toy hauler thinking that I'm getting it just for that huge garage in the back, maybe use it as a bunkhouse. I'm never going to throw any toys back there. I'm never going to have a quad or a side-by-side -side in the back, not realizing that because they're not putting a lot of weight in the back, they're transferring significantly more weight to the front because you're not counteracting that weight anymore. The axles aren't acting as that fulcrum or that, that pivot point any longer. Mm -hmm. So that's one of those areas that you got to be real careful of. Fifth wheels and toy haulers, have a lot of or fifth wheel toy haulers have a lot of potential of of surprising you when it comes to how much weight is actually being transferred to the back of a truck and that's one of the reasons why i generally will recommend for any of your mid to large large size fifth wheel or toy hauler fifth wheels you should opt for a dually truck just because the typical amount of payload or the typical amount of cargo and weight and everything else that you add plus the weight of your pin plus the weight of your fifth wheel hitch in the bed of the truck, and everything is usually going to equate upwards of 3,500 to 4,500 pounds. Mm -hmm. And there are very few single rear wheel trucks that can handle that much payload capacity. Yeah, because when people generally shop for trucks, especially families, right, they usually pick a crew cab, right? And if you live, you know, anywhere with any sort of weather, or if you want to do a little bit of light off-roading, it's probably a four-wheel drive, right? That's mm -hmm. the most popular configuration of truck, of pickup. And once you do that, um, your payload capacity on your truck comes down a little bit. It's no longer that billboard sign that, you know, every manufacturer tends to advertise, you yep. know. My and truck every truck is hanging. Yeah, it's like my truck, you know, can haul 7,800 7, pounds. Well, yes, if it's a two-wheel drive dually with a gas engine or something, you know. So, yep um with a two-door so yeah you have to be very mindful of that absolutely and uh we tend to watch this very very closely when we do our towing tests and uh you mentioned toy haulers and uh what came to mind and you, you mentioned about bringing your toys and these giant trailers are really like your home right i mean mm -hmm. every comfort of your home is in there and i recently saw the trailers by atc they're aluminum trailers and their, their game changer and also their fifth wheel um, mm -hmm. trailers. And they actually show a Jeep Wrangler pulling up on that rear door and actually uh, carrying a Jeep Wrangler inside of your toy hauler, which is really impressive. 
It, it absolutely is. And ATC makes phenomenal, uh, high quality trailers, whether it's going to be a conventional pull or a fifth wheel. Um, almost all out of aluminum with the addition of Asdel and some other really great building materials that you want to see in an RV. Um, they put the right size axles on them. They put the right size wheels and tires. It's kind of one of those units. It's, I, I would kind of consider it like the Airstream of, of toy haulers in the sense that they are usually a few steps above what the traditional manufacturers are doing and in many ways, many steps above. But, you know, when I met the folks at ATC a long time ago in Salt Lake City, one of the things that was interesting to me was how they reinforced their back ramp door to be able to support more weight than most manufacturers. And because of the use of aluminum framework to it, it, it also gives you that longevity. The last thing you want is to have a ramp that when it's new, it can support the weight of whatever you throw on it. But then five years down the road, it's been rusting inside of the ramp and you then drive on it and the thing cracks in half, which has actually been known to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're high quality stuff. And but so let's say I want that. OK, so let's say. Uh, you know, my, the budget is there for me to go out and buy a fifth wheel ATC trailer, for example. And I'm just picking that as a, as a, as a trailer I recently saw myself. That's why I'm using it as an example. And um, it's really nice, luxurious, it's aluminum built. So I need to watch for certain things, right? I, ne I need to go to the manufacturer or the dealer or whoever I'm interfacing with, uh, basically to figure out, Okay, so how much does this trailer weigh? And you'll get usually the dry weight, right? Uh, maybe a fully GVW, which is a gross vehicle weight of that trailer, and also the pin weight. And you have to very carefully, like you said, uh, factor that in. Yep. The pin weight is always going to be a huge variable. Um, and this is a, a big question that I often get. People will say, well, I have, you know, a 2011 Chevy 3500 Dually. What type of toy hauler can I haul? And the first question I usually ask is, well, what is your payload capacity on your truck? If it's indicated on a door sticker or sometimes on older trucks, you have to dig a little deeper into some manufacturer literature that was released at some point about what that number is. And of course, we know year after year after year because of the, the towing wars that are out there, every manufacturer ups their towing game. But a lot of times people only focus on that towing number like you said, that, that you see on every commercial, that you see draped over every dealership lot whenever these new trucks come out, not understanding that the biggest factor a lot of these trucks deal with is payload capacity. So when you're talking about something like an ATC toy hauler, let's say it has a 14,000 pound GVWR, right? Gross vehicle weight rating, mm -hmm. and it has an 11,000 pound dry weight or curb weight. So that means you have 3,000 pounds remaining for cargo capacity. Well, this is the part that a lot of people don't realize as well, that that 3,000 pounds isn't dedicated to the garage. Sometimes people will say, well, if I keep my total weight inside of this thing under 3,000 pounds, well, I'll just load a 2,000 pound toy in the back along with a Harley, and now I got 3,000 pounds worth of weight in the back and I'm safe. That 3,000 pounds of that, only about 60% of it is actually designed to be hauled in the garage area itself because you have to pay close attention to that, that, that scale effect, how you're rocking that trailer, how much weight you're removing from the back of your truck by putting in the back of the toy hauler. So even with an ATC toy hauler, even with you know a Keystone Raptor, even with any of these larger toy haulers you see, Keeping an eye on pin weight is such an important thing because it's going to help you determine specifically how your trailer is going to tow, how stable it is. But here's a big one. How much weight you're actually transferring over the axles. 
right? Typically you have 20%, 15 to 20% of your, your trailer's total weight that's actually transferring to the back of the truck. Well, if you start moving more of that weight to the back of your trailer, that means your tires and your rear axles and your leaf springs or whatever type of suspension you have on your trailer is now having to handle that much more weight. And you could potentially have tire failure. You could potentially have, you know, bearings that go out or a hub failure or even lug nuts breaking off of your stems because you're, you're just putting more weight and every bump you hit, every imperfection in these wonderfully paved roads we have across this country, country is just more and more abuse going to a suspension component that's relatively basic in, si in design and very, um, I'd also say very archaic. It's just a design that's been around forever and never really been improved upon that much. That's why I talk a lot about like suspension equalizers and things that you can do to give you a more confident towing experience, especially from the suspension and the tire and the running gear perspective of a trailer. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, like stuff like torsion axles and axle ratings is very important, like you said, on the trailer and the truck. Um, and there's no such thing as like buying too little of an axle, right? <laughs> when you're talking Correct. about things, uh, things that big, because you want to have that safety margin always uh, on your trailer and your truck. So if we were to generalize, and if you looked at the segment of fifth wheel giant camping trailers, uh, like we talked about, maybe even up to what, 46 feet long. Um, I think the dually is the only answer. You know, a, a Absolutely. truck like an F-350 or a Ram 3500 or a Chevy 3500 Silverado, mm -hmm. uh, dually. And of course, uh, with that comes potentially the diesel, right? Because yes, those trucks mm -hmm. are offered with gas engines, but now you're talking about, you know, having towing, what, 14,000 pounds, maybe more in some cases with some trailers. Um, so you want, you know, the diesel, not just for its torque, but maybe even for efficiency going down the highway, a, a little bit better efficiency. Um, of course, the diesel engine costs more in the heavy duty truck. Yes, we all know this. Um, and then of course the payload for a truck like this, like a diesel dually crew cab, for example, uh, we tend to get them kind of loaded with options when we test them. So manufacturers like to send us, you know, often a more option truck to show the features. And I would say as a rule of thumb, those luxury dually pickups have around 5,000 pounds of payload usually. Yep, uh, yep, absolutely. Yeah, so, so figure that, uh, figure about 5,000 pounds of payload, that's maximum. So you don't mm -hmm. wanna be at maximum, right? You wanna stay within a certain percentage below it. Yep. No, you're absolutely right. And when we talk about, you know, how these trucks come equipped, uh, you nailed it on the head. And the minute you talk about diesel, right, you're taking roughly a thousand pounds away from your traditional cargo capacity. So if you find a dually that has a gas engine, you'll likely have over 6,000 pounds of cargo capacity. And, you know, but diesel is really where you're going to be able to move beyond that 15, 16,000 pound maximum tow capacity. With a gas engine, you're going to be pushing right at the very limit of what that engine is designed to tow with on a newer truck. Some of your older trucks with gas engines, even though they had relatively high payload capacities, they could only tow 11, 12, 13,000 pounds. They weren't rated to tow much. And mm -hmm. the, the challenge I think a lot of people also sometimes have to grapple with is, 
if you get a truck and you say, okay, well, if you look at my tires and you add up the capacity of all my tires on a dually and you add up uh, whatever my rear axle rate or rating is, and you, you look at those numbers, they figure, well, if those numbers show that I can haul more weight, then why can't the truck haul more weight? Why is it rated so much lower? And a lot of people don't realize that those are just a piece of the engineering that goes into the truck. Sure, you may have overkill in terms of some components, but that doesn't mean that your leaf springs. It doesn't mean that your bump stops. Your, you know, you have other parts that are designed down there by engineers. I mean, Andre, you and me know best. When we go to these these media events and we go look at these vehicles, they have a hundred engineers there that every single one of them focused on a certain aspect of that truck. And if they give it a rating, they're not underrating it or overrating it by much. They're generally pretty confident in this is the rating we want you to adhere by because some component built in there is designed to meet that capacity and not necessarily go over it for very long. Yeah, I remember I was at the recent uh, Ram Heavy Duty uh, truck launch and I was talking to some of the uh, um, actually chief engineer and I, I talked about, we talked about towing, right? And a big component of that is also uh, the cooling capacity of the engine and transmission, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he told me a little story. He said, you know, because the design team and the engineering team, they come together, right? And they have to build the truck together as a team. And they, they always do. And, you know, the designer came by and said, well, how, um, you know, how wide do you want to make the front end and the grill? And the engineer says, I want, I want everything. I want the radiator to be as big as possible because I want, you know, the cooling and the capacity and, you know, I, I, I have to, you know, adhere to these regulations and the towing capacities and hauling capacities. And the designer says, whoa, 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 but we need to make the truck look, you know, oh, good, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like a balancing game where a designer, you know, uh, is looking at kind of, you know, some of the aesthetics of it and uh, aerodynamics of it. And the engineer says, you know, I want maximum cooling uh, for this truck. Yep. No, you're right. They, they, and it has to work hand in hand. You can have a, a super ugly truck with tons of capability, but if nobody wants to buy the truck, then having the capability is a mute point. Yeah, so it has to be a balance, and uh, and these capacities keep increasing, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Just recently, you know, twenty twenty one model year is about to uh, end, and twenty twenty two is coming on online, and these dualies, you know, they're playing in the thirty seven thousand pound tow ratings. Um, have you ever towed thirty seven thousand pounds? <laughs> I actually have, but it's been at one of these drive events. I've never personally, I don't know if I would feel comfortable towing that much weight behind a class three pickup truck on, on, you know, normal highways. That's if you've done it and you've done it at these events, you realize just how much weight that is behind a very light truck. Yeah. And you thought that, you know, that thousand pound feet of torque in your truck, in your diesel pickup is a lot, which it is. And then you hook it up to a 35 or 36,000 pound trailer. And all of a sudden this truck, you know, is slow because it's yep. working at its maximum, you know, design capacity. And um, so the most we've done on the Ike Gauntlet actually was probably pushing a little bit closer to 31,000. And that was, of course, with Mr. Truck as well. And, uh, and the, you know, the, the new trucks are getting better and more confidence inspiring. But you have to really, I mean, you need the CDL, first of all, or, or training, um, CDL type training, commercial driving uh, license training, in order to know what to do 
in certain situations, if there's an emergency or something like this, um, because the truck is capable and we've towed with, you know, with such heavy weights, but there, there's always that, you know, in the back of your mind, you know, what if something goes wrong? What if the gooseneck ball fails or what if the hitch fails? What if the brakes fail? Right. Yep. Um, and, you know, you have to use all the systems of the truck, including the, ex you know, exhaust brake on a diesel and, um, you know, slower speeds, all that stuff. Um, you just have to use it together. No, you're right. And I mean, even towing, you know, my fifth wheel has a 17,500 pound GVWR. For a while, I was towing a Van Lee Beacon from those folks with an 18,000 pound GVWR. And even with a fifth wheel of that size, pushing 44 feet long, you know, I'm not anywhere near 37,000 pounds. I'm not even halfway there. Yet you still fear some of those things. What if my brakes go out on me? What if a component fails on me? Because you know, heavy trailers are heavy trailers, regardless of their size and the way wind impacts them, the, all these different things that, that stress you out. It's always good to to err on caution and have more capability than you need, because you may need that additional capability if some type of, you know, extreme situation occurs. Yeah. So what, what truck do you currently use to pull uh, some of those trailers? So I have the truck I've had for a couple of years now. It's the 2017 F450 King Ranch. Um, I've had it since 2017. I got it actually right after Hurricane Harvey. I had an F350 Dually King Ranch uh, for one month prior to that. And before that, I had a, a 2016 F450 Platinum. Um, so yeah, I traded the, the Platinum in for the four or for the 350, thinking that I'd be happy with the 350. Uh, one month into it, I, I traded out of it and got the 450. Why? Why did you trade it so soon? So the three, or sorry, the the 2016 F450 was really the catalyst behind my YouTube channel, um, because. At the time, a lot of folks really didn't know much about the F450. So I produced a lot of content about that truck because people really wanted to know what the difference was and if it made sense uh, opting for an F450 versus a 350 if you could find one in the configuration you were looking for. And then prior to that, they had you know a, an equivalent version of a 450 and a 350 package called the Tow Boss, which gave you that wider front end and all those things. Well. The 450 to me was my first dive into a dually pickup truck. Prior to that, I had an F250 and I had two Chevy 2500 HDs and I had a Ram before that. But my first dually pickup truck was that 2016 F450. And the thing I loved about it was its turning. And I think that manufacturers, and I talk to them about this at every event, that they need to incorporate better turning into their trucks. Even the event that, that you and I were at recently, that was the one thing I focused on with the folks at General Motors. You need to focus on steering and turning because maneuverability when you're towing is huge, especially considering people buy dually trucks to tow. Um, the vast majority of people buy dually trucks. So. I had my 450. Um, I loved its turning. I loved its maneuverability. But when the new 2017 model came out, um, instantly there were so many improvements to the truck. Just the rear seat leg room, navigation. Well, it, was a new, it was a new generation, right? Yeah, it was an all-new truck. Everyone was still a little curious about how the aluminum would hold up, even though it was slightly thicker on the bed and these different things. But for me, I was going to hold off for a while, but then, you know, I, I actually brought one home. I reviewed it and my wife drove in it and she said, get it. It drives better. It's just, it's such a nicer truck. So um, it took me a while and I could not find a 450 with the package I wanted because all the dealerships that were getting them either did not want to budge on price 
or they did not, they had them equipped very awkwardly. For instance, they'd have 450s without the gooseneck fifth wheel prep. And I'm thinking who on earth would buy this truck without that prep kit included? So I held off, but then they got a King Ranch F350 in and I was thinking it might work. So I drove the truck. Uh, I felt like, okay, everything seems okay. Um, bought the truck. And then, you know, the, the turning radius just really, really drove me nuts for, for a period of time. I would try to make U-turns on some roads at red lights and I couldn't because I would run over the curb or I'd end up having to make like a three or four point turn just so I could turn around or get into a parking spot. Things that I never struggled with, with my 450. Um, and then it all came to a head one day when I was trying to pull into Lowe's and they have this embankment right when you turn and I pull to turn in and there's a car coming out and I can't turn in. I'm locked over to the right. I can't turn into this parking, into the, uh, into the, the actual shopping complex because this vehicle is in the opposite lane and, and it was just a headache. I'm holding up traffic. I'm getting frustrated and I'm going, if I had my 450, I would have been able to execute this turn. So I called the dealership and I told them, you know what, find me a 450. Let's just, let's just get into it. So they found me one 200 miles away. Uh, they brought it in right after hurricane Harvey. So I was really, really skeptical on the condition it would be in, but it ended up being my, the Ruby red truck that I, I always wanted. And um, yeah, so I went back to it and ultimately it's that turning angle. It's the deciding factor of so many people who buy the F450. It's the turning radius. I know that it has a interesting way of rate. They've forward rates that truck interestingly because it has a lower capacity rating, payload capacity rating. It has a higher tow towing capacity rating than an F three fifty. And everyone wonders why. If this truck has those nineteen and a half inch, you know, aluminum wheels with commercial tires on it and larger uh, axle half shafts, larger brakes, if it has a, you know, all these things that technically would make the truck more capable of hauling weight. Why is it, why does it have a lower rating than a 350? And it all comes down to that gross vehicle weight rating requirement to keep it a class three vehicle, 14,000 pounds or less. The truck weighs more from a curb weight perspective because it has heavier duty components, mm -hmm. but they had to derate the actual payload capacity by arguably a thousand pounds to keep it a class three truck without it being a class four truck. And then thus requiring, you know, commercial insurance and other things that can make it difficult to, uh, to acquire. So yeah, it all came down to the turning radius for me. Um, the tires, the wheels, all that stuff, I could really care less about. I would have been happy if I could have gotten it with the same wheel tire package as an F-350 because it's a more comfortable ride. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, for me, it was that that maneuverability. It made such a big difference. Yeah, that makes sense, especially, for example, backing up a trailer, right? Let's oh, yeah. say you're going into your storage facility where you store your camper or whatnot, maybe near your house and backing up and being able to swing it around just the right way. Uh, it's a huge deal, of course. Maneuverability is huge. And also the, some of those 450 and then higher classes, um, they often have slightly wider track, right? Mm -hmm. um, and also that ability to turn the wheels a little bit at a steeper angle. So, so those things combine for, for that capability. Yep, absolutely. And that's the thing I think that that oftentimes people when they when they look at towing, if you've only been used to towing with a truck that has a relatively poor turning angle, and then you hop into one that has a great turning angle, it's it's instantly noticeable when it comes to maneuverability. Yeah, you know where it kind of jumps at me immediately? 
uh, once in a while we would drive a, a commercial van like a ProMaster or uh, even um, like a Transit. And, mm -hmm. and these vans, because they're used for deliveries a lot, they have incredible turning radiuses. Mm -hmm. uh, even the Sprinter, like a Mercedes Sprinter also. Um, it, it just jumps at me, like, like making the turnaround, like you said, or you know, making a parking maneuver, something like this. But I want to flip this um, discussion a little bit on its head. Um, so you mentioned 450, right? Um, is the truck that you've had for a while. Uh, we often get this question from viewers. Um, I'm only towing like, I don't know, five weekends out of the year. And I have to use the truck the other, whatever, you know, months, many, many months a year. How comfortable is it when it's not loaded? Because that's what people try to make the decision. Do I buy a dually? You know, it's wider than a single wheel truck, right? Do I buy the 450? Uh, because it has, you know, potentially, you know, stiffer ride and all this stuff. Um, so what's your take on this? I mean, wh where is the switchover point where uh, you would recommend a single wheel, one ton truck, or even a three quarter ton? Um, really good question. That's one I get a lot. I did a collaboration with a, a big YouTube channel that it's a traveling vlog when they were looking at getting a truck. And the question came up between, you know, an F-350 dually, an F-450 dually, and then an F-350 single rear wheel truck. And where do you kind of draw the line? And I always draw the line at payload capacity um, and, and how often you're going to want to have a better experience towing or a worse experience towing. You know, oftentimes the, the feel of a loaded truck with a trailer is going to be far more, far different than a truck that's unloaded. So for me, you know, we take our camper out, you know, two, sometimes two to three times a month. And when we do that, that's enough for me to know what feel I want when I'm towing the trailer. I know what to expect with my truck. Now I have towed with trucks that have lower payload capacity with single rear wheel trucks and with um, three quarter ton trucks. And they all tow relatively well until you get into some of these really extreme conditions where you have the weight of the trailer really bouncing up and down on the back of your truck. And you have that wind hitting you and, and that additional stability for me is super important. So to answer the question directly, it's I draw the line at determining how often I'm going to use the truck to tow. If I only plan on taking out once a month, if I only plan on taking it out once a quarter or once every couple of months, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to go to a truck that's like, that's less capable. Um, but understanding what experience I'll have when I'm towing with it. And you know, towing experience plays a lot into this. And, and I like to tell people that all the time, whereas I know how to handle my trailer with almost any size truck in the event something happens, in the event I have a sway issue, in the event I have to do some type of emergency maneuvering. Now, whether my brain's going to process it that fast, I'm actually going to execute the plan that I think about. That's something else. It depends what the emergency is, right? But when you tow with a three quarter ton truck or a single rear single reel wheel i'm sorry uh like f350 or 3500 hd something like that um just understanding at what point you're going to have a bad experience i think is really important and i tell people to kind of wrap their brain around that when if you're going to go out and buy a 44 foot long toy hauler and you're like you know what we're only going to use this thing once every six months and a, a single rear wheel truck is going to be fine or 
you know, even if we use it five times a month, well, the rest of the time I'm not using it. I want something smaller, something narrower, something easier to move in, in and out of parking lots. I, I get that. I, I get the people feel that way. It comes down to how comfortable they are with their towing experience. That's ultimately what it comes down to. So drawing the line is simply just understanding that I will likely have a better towing experience with almost any trailer with the larger truck I have. And if I don't plan on towing that often, then I can go to something with single rear wheel and I'll be fine as long as I'm more cautious or I'm more careful whenever I'm towing. Yeah, and if people want a comparison, um, it's pretty simple actually. <clears throat> and I'm referring to the latest trucks, of course, because we have the most data on those. Mm -hmm. um, so the dually truck, like we mentioned already, uh, the gross vehicle weight would be about 14,000. Um, that's the classification limit, as you mentioned. Um, I recently had a, a single rear wheel uh, one-ton truck, and its uh, gross vehicle weight was 12,300. So you're already losing, what, uh, 1,700 pounds of payload right off the bat because you're going to a single rear wheel. Um, and that, by the way, those trucks, the single rear wheel trucks, may be just as long. They st can still have yep. an eight-foot bed. Um, all those configurations are available, um, but it's just narrower. So, and, um, and you're losing that payload capacity because you're just stepping down to a different, you know, different configuration, um, a single rear wheel. Mm -hmm. and, and then uh, a three-quarter ton truck would generally end at about 10,000 pounds gross vehicle weight. So that's another 2,300 pounds less. Although now... Uh, it's funny, uh, I've noticed, especially with GM and Ford, I think, does this too. Some of their F-250 and Chevy Silverado 2500 trucks have a GVWR that's over 10,000. Yep. Sometimes it's 11 uh, or give and take. So they're kind of pushing those boundaries of classifications a little bit. Uh, but I think um, when somebody asks me, hey, you know, I have this situation, I want to use a, you know, a camper in the summer, um, you know, maybe several times in the summer, and then I need to distract to go to work and do other things during the winter. Uh, what should I get? Um, like, you know, I would agree with you. It's, it's about the comfort. It's about the payload. And as soon as you get to that maximum payload, let's say your payload of your truck is about 3000 pounds in the three quarter ton, uh, which is actually really good. If that's mm -hmm. the case. Oh yeah. Um, as soon as you, if your trailer pushing down on it, with let's say 3,000 pounds of weight, depending on how you loaded your trailer, et cetera, uh, you're coming near your bump stops basically because the suspension, that's how it's designed. It's squats, 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 squats. You're at maximum capacity. You know, you're maybe within a, you know, a fraction of an inch to the bump stop. And now you get in it, you drive down the road. What, what happens? You know, you start hitting the bump stop. Uh, it's jarring, you know, because you, you're missing a lot of that travel of the suspension already. Um, and then what happens um, during sway? It may have more sway because you squat it all the way down. Uh, the suspension geometry is different. So those are the things you have to think about. Um, balancing the comfort of the lighter truck with the capability. No, you're absolutely right. And in an area that a lot of folks don't realize too, is they think, well, let me just throw a lift kit or airbags on the back of my three quarter ton truck. And, and I'm in good shape because I'm leveling it back out. When in reality, you're not, all you're doing is leveling it back out. 
And you're now putting stress on components that prior may not have had stress on them. And like you pointed out, when you hit a bump and you have your truck at near capacity, you have to think in a unloaded configuration. Well, I'm sorry, we're talking about near capacity. So if you have a fifth wheel or a conventional trailer that's putting weight on the back of your truck, how much is that weight increasing when you go over a bump, when you hit a pothole, when you hit those expansion joints and that trailer is just bouncing up and down, up and down, you could be adding a thousand additional pounds of weight just because of momentum and that inertia pressing down on the back of the vehicle. And that's weight that isn't necessarily factored into your cargo capacity. So when you are at max cargo and you're driving down the road, your suspension is essentially maxing out. So everything you hit on the road, every large imperfection is stressing your span, your suspension beyond what its design limits often are. And there is some play in there, right? It's not as if, you know, if they rate your vehicle at 3000 pound max cargo capacity, 3000 pounds is all it's going to take before it breaks. It most likely could take far more than that. But here's the question. How long can it take far more than that before something potentially fails? Yeah. And that's of course scary because, you know, you have your family in the truck potentially or friends and, you know, other very, very valuable, you know, uh, things and safety is critical. Yeah. That's, that's why, you know, we have our channel. It's why you have your channel. Right. And, mm -hmm. and uh, we want to talk about those elements and not just about the features that the truck offers, but also the safety. And, and, and I want to ask you before we move on to half tons, um, I want to ask you this because I've noticed this uh, between different brands of truck, it's the actual, the mounting of the fifth wheel. So, uh, and, and the pucks and, and the, and how they're positioned and the width, because it seems like, I don't know if you've tested this recently, uh, but I think you had that Chevy 3,500 dually. Oh yeah. The unicorn. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, what was it? It was a regular cab diesel, right? Regular cab diesel. Yep. Eight foot bed. Yeah. Don't, doesn't GM have a narrower kind of a footprint? a box for the uh, fifth wheel yeah so the puck system on uh on a general motors truck tends to be uh the the small tends to take up the smallest footprint whereas on like ford it's slightly spread out more and then on ram it's really spread out in the bed of the truck um you know when it comes to how they designed and engineered that i honestly really couldn't tell you what the the logic is behind them other than the fact that even though the footprint may appear to be spread out more on one versus the other the portion that you don't see under the bed attached to the frame itself is going to be about the same on all of them so i i guess it really comes down to what the hitch manufacturer and how the hitch manufacturer has designed and what materials they've used for their specific product. Um, because I think when it comes in, comes to the puck system itself, again, how it actually mounts to the frame on all three trucks is, is kind of similar. Um, and the footprint tends to be about the same size. So uh, I, I think it's more of a, more of a design route that they chose to go versus one that they needed to go with, if that makes sense. Uh, it, it does make sense, but but this is what really bugs me. Uh, let's say, um, you know, you, you purchased a truck, right, uh, as you did in the past, and you decided to switch brands. Let's say you had a Ram, and you said, you know what, I've had a Ram for a few years, I'm going to go with GM. I like what they're doing there. Um, let me move my uh, fifth wheel, you know, hitch attachment out of this puck system, and I come over to my new truck, it doesn't fit. 
Nope, you're right. Uh, uh, th that really bugs me. And I'm not, maybe, you know, I should talk to some engineers in more detail about this, or maybe it's a marketing decision for some of these companies uh, or vice versa, right? I, I have a GM truck. I want to go into a Ford and let me take out my hitch, you know, because it's pretty expensive piece of equipment, right? Uh, sometimes, what is it? $1,500. Um, and let me move it into this truck and it doesn't fit. <laughs> that would really- no, Nope, you're right. And, you know, moving to more of a universal standard, kind of like they have on your medium duty trucks with like the frame rail widths for vocational bodies and things like that. I think it would make a lot of sense to do that, uh, you know, because, you know, there are a couple manufacturers. If you look at Kurt, for instance, Kurt makes kind of the centerpiece that's universal, but then you buy the wings that match your specific truck. And then you look at BMW and a couple other brands that it's very specific to that model of truck. And you're right. These hitches cost anywhere between 900 all the way up to $1,500. And if you switch brands, it's unfortunate that you then have to try to sell your old one to buy a new one because they're so dang expensive. Yeah, or maybe you roll it into the price of the truck or something when you sell yeah. it, you say, take that and, you know, maybe I'll buy a new one. So, yeah, but that's been bothering me for a while. So um, anyway, so we talked about dualies and the difference between that and kind of the single rear wheel, rear wheel trucks. That's really hard to say. It is. Uh, <laughs> and then um, we talked a little bit about three quarter tons and three quarter ton trucks, especially new ones. Um, you know, these manufacturers, um, actually all three of them, uh, have really gotten them to ride quite nice, actually. Mm -hmm. Some of them, in my opinion, approach almost where the half tons are, um, as far as kind of the, the ride quality, some of the way they, you know, they are able to ha handle the highway. And they still have offered the capability. Once again, watch that payload, right? So now... Mm -hmm we're let's shift let's shift over to the half ton segment which, which is the most popular and of course the f-150 the ram 1500 and now we also have the toyota and nissan in this space as well um to a big degree and so uh, have you done have you done a lot of towing with some of these trucks and what's your kind of rule of thumb for the half ton so yeah I, i've done i've towed with every one of the trucks you mentioned and you know, my rule of thumb is one that gets me a lot of, um, a lot of frustrated viewers at times. Uh, I think some folks think that I'm, I'm anti half ton when I've, I've, I believe I've made enough content clarifying my point around half ton trucks that I personally, if I wasn't planning on towing anything really heavy, I would probably own a half ton truck. I kind of consider them, consider them to be the luxury Swiss army knives of trucks. They give you a lot of capability a lot of utility in a very comfortable ride with tremendous amounts of technology that rival luxury car manufacturers. And they build awesome trucks that can go forever that just are just really well built now. And it's a good time to be a half ton truck shopper because you have so many choices and all of them are good choices. Not one has really, you know, flown past everyone else in terms of ergonomics or design or features or function. The minute one has it, just wait the next year and everyone else is going to have that same feature or that same function. Now, the reason why I'm more critical on half tons versus your heavier duty trucks is only because of the trucks I typically review, they are going to be the least capable 
in terms of towing and payload capacity, just naturally. They're going to have the lowest gross vehicle weight ratings, and they're arguably going to have the softest suspension that's more tailored towards kind of stealing market share away from luxury vehicles and luxury SUVs. Um, if you look at GMC's kind of entire approach to their Sierra line of pickup trucks, it's to get a luxury truck versus a luxury car. So I'm very conservative in terms of towing numbers because one thing I've realized, and I'm sure you've realized this as well, is the suspension on these half-ton trucks, they're very soft. It's a very, very luxurious ride. You hit bumps with them, you hardly feel the bumps anymore. And uh, one of the little comparisons I told people to make one time is go out to a dealership lot, hop up on the back bumper of a half ton truck and just start jumping up and down on that bumper like it's a trampoline. And you're gonna feel that truck and see that truck move probably three inches each way in terms of just suspension travel. Now go to a three quarter ton truck or a one ton truck and try to do that same thing. It's gonna be like you're jumping on a bag of sand. It might move a half an inch each way, but it's not gonna move much. Now, if you just did that test, all that would tell you is that the half-ton suspension is softer. But if you apply that test to towing small fifth wheels or heavy travel trailers, that tongue weight, which is going to weigh eight, ten times more than you might weigh, is going to be constantly moving up and down on that ball or in the bed of that truck, pressing up and down. You're talking upwards of a 1,000 pounds of weight that's being transferred to the back of that truck up and down while you're traveling. So imagine the types of kind of scary or sketchy situations you can find yourself in with that much weight pressing up and down on the back of your truck while you're going over the roads, while you're trying to get through a windstorm or while you're trying to, you know, traverse the Ike gauntlet and things like that. Scenarios that the suspension itself just isn't designed for. And we all know that the engines and the transmissions and just the service life of a half ton truck is usually about a hundred thousand miles less than that of its three quarter ton and one ton counterparts. Yeah, so you have to consider all of that. I, I absolutely agree. But but uh, so so I'm in this space actually. I, I recently purchased an F one fifty, and I actually mainly got it because it's a hybrid because I wanted to test mm -hmm. out and kind of live with the new um, powertrain system that Ford had. Because uh, I looked at all manufacturers, of course, and I, I tried to to see what truck kind of best fits me right now. And I went with a kind of uh, the more high-tech powertrain because I, it hasn't been around before. And mm -hmm. uh, my use case, just personally, I have a 6,000-pound boat. So my truck, uh, my F-150, has about 1,700-pound payload, which is actually not too bad for, for a half-ton truck, which is a crew cab four-wheel drive. Um, I, I felt like when I first um, you know, ordered it and selected it, that was a comfortable space for me to be. Um, you know, with a family of four and a, and a boat behind it, it seemed to match exactly what I wanted to do. And occasionally, and you've seen this on my videos, <laughs> I tow heavier with it. Uh, okay. For example, I, I tried towing uh, upwards of 10,000 pounds, which is still within its capability, right? So mm -hmm. manufacturers, including Ford, uh, my truck is rated 11,000 pounds uh, of towing. And so technically, you know, towing 10,000 pounds is not out of the question, right? So um, would I want to do that every day? Uh, like you said, probably not. But, but I know that the truck will, will do it. And yes, I may have more experience, you know, towing with, with, with trucks than most people. But, and that's kind of fit my lifestyle. 
and I just drove it here to the office actually um, uh, this morning, and it's still a very quiet, comfortable ride, right? So, so I kind of agree with you. It is kind of a Swiss Army knife of different capabilities and different abilities uh, uh, with the bed and towing. Um, but uh, that's kind of where I am. Uh, but what kind of worries me sometimes is when people say, well, this manufacturer says that my half ton can tow 13,000 pounds. So why buy a three quarter ton truck? You know, that, yep. that, that kind of worries me because uh, there's more things to look at than just that billboard, right? Billboard statement. No, you're absolutely right. And all trailers are different. So hauling a boat is a lot different than hauling a travel trailer and hauling a flat utility trailer is a lot different than hauling a boat or a RV. And, you know, one of the ways I like to kind of equate it to when you're hauling an RV, you're hauling a giant box that's tall and it's going to act very, very different because of its wind profile, how wind affects it when it hits it. Plus, you can't control where any of the weight inside of that RV is. Well, you can control it to a degree, but the manufacturer who designed the RV controlled where they put the kitchen, controlled where they put the holding tanks and where they put your storage and all these different factors that go into it. So, I can't just universally tell somebody exactly what trailer, even if it falls in a certain weight range, is going to be ideal for their truck because I don't know the specifics of how that manufacturer built that trailer. If you're hauling a cargo trailer, let's say a flat deck trailer, and you're going to be hauling, let's say, you know, 6,000 pounds worth of bricks, well, you have the most control in that scenario because you can shift that weight where you need it to be to transfer the right amount of weight to the back of your truck while still not counteracting acting it too much and causing, you know, potentially a sway or an overloaded or underloaded scenario with the truck. When I talk about towing and with you and your 6,000 pound boat with a half ton truck, I think that's ideal. I think you're probably in that perfect margin of truck to trailer ratio. When I talk RVs, I say 6,000 pounds as well for a half ton truck. And I don't universally apply that to everybody. There's always wiggle room there depending on a lot of factors, such as the year, make, and model of your truck. That's a huge one people don't think about oftentimes. Um, you know, half ton trucks 10 years ago were the size of mid-sized trucks today. And things are changing so much in that field in terms of capability as well as weight. So... When I talk about a 6,000 pound trailer, I'm factoring the uh, usually 10% of the gross vehicle weight rating is going to transfer to the hitch. Um, then on top of that, you know, you're going to have maybe an additional 300 pounds worth of cargo weight that's actually going to add to the back of your truck, including your hitch. Oftentimes people think like weight distribution hitches eliminate weight and they don't eliminate weight. They distribute weight. They move the weight around, oftentimes moving it to the front of your truck, but that weight is still there. So when I talk about a 6,000 pound trailer, and that's what I rec or at least an RV and my recommendation, you know, for it to be towed by a half ton, I, when everything is said and done, and you look at the total amount of weight that's actually going to be on the truck, including people, the supplies, all of that, you're probably going to be over 1600 pounds worth of cargo on the truck total when everything is said and done with a 6,000 pound trailer. And Oftentimes, again, people think, well, the trailer's rated at, or the truck is rated at 13,000 pounds. I'm going to go out and buy an 11,000 pound trailer, not realizing when everything is said and done, they're probably going to have 2,500 pounds worth of payload transferring to the truck itself. When most half ton trucks, regardless of what their commercial says or what the manufacturer says in terms of their, you know, best in class, this or that, most half ton trucks have between 1,300 and 1,700 pounds worth of maximum cargo capacity. 
And, and when you load a truck up, a half-ton truck to that type of cargo, you're going to see the back really dipping down, and you'll likely be contacting your, your bump stops well before you hit the maximum cargo capacity on some of these trucks. So your recommendation is mainly focused at RVs then for the half-tons, for the 6,000? Yes, kind of generally half-ton or generally RVs. If you... Yeah. If you want to haul a cargo trailer and you're careful with how you load it up and you distribute the weight well, um, then I think you can go beyond that. But I think the, the hardest part for people to realize is that very few trailers, except if it's a cargo trailer, give you the capability of adjusting your weight and moving it around to give you that maximum towing capacity without overextending your cargo capacity, right? You could take some of these trailers and load them up perfectly, and you could probably have a 13,000-pound trailer. Um, it's very easy to get up to 13,000 pounds with something like a dump trailer or you know, carrying brick or bags of concrete home before you even realize it. Mm -hmm. But then where you position that weight to keep from going over your actual trailer tongue weight capacity is the most important aspect of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but um, so what we do at TFL truck, um, as, as you've seen, we when, I, when, we, when we test heavy uh, half-ton trucks, I tend to be between about 7,000 to 9,000 pound uh, trailer weight. Um, and this weight, um, once again, controlled by me and by us. And by that, I mean, it's usually either a cargo trailer. Sometimes also we've used horse trailers and then we, we put water ballast inside of it, um, either giant uh, rectangular containers or barrels, um, sometimes other uh, ballast um, to just fine tune the weight just right. And I chose that range between about seven to 9,000 pounds because when I, was, when I was looking at a weight of kind of a standard, uh, I don't know, a car hauler, a motorhome, a RV trailer, uh, I'm talking about bumper conventional pull uh, trailers. Mm -hmm. um, they seem to be GVW, seem to be in that range, you know, um, when talking about like a tandem axle motorhome. So, so that's what we've been doing. And our testing, including the iGauntlet, is kind of the extreme, right? So mm -hmm. if this half-ton truck can tow 9,000 pounds, you know, distributed trailer uh, up and down this 11,000-foot mountain, then it'll probably do good for you, right? If you're not, you know, at those harsh conditions and those um, really extremes. Um, so that's kind of where I was coming from. Uh, but I see your point because, for example, for a boat, if you're towing a boat, there's no weight. You know, you don't have a lot of control where the weight is, right? Yes, you can right. you can have your you know um, a cooler full of food somewhere maybe inside of your boat, but other than that, you know, the boat it is what it is. You know, it has the engine, the fuel tank, and the rest of it. So um, same thing with RVs. You know, with a toy hauler, you can control it maybe, right, by putting uh, one of your machines your side-by-side -side or something in the back. Um, so you do have some control there, but a lot of the times you don't. Mm -hmm. Yep. So when you look at like a boat, um, a lot of folks may not realize this about boat manufacturers and trailer manufacturers, but the trailer that most boats are paired with are specifically designed to transfer the, almost the ideal amount of weight to the front of the, or to the back of the truck or the front of the trailer. Oftentimes the, the front extension and how far it goes out and where they place the axles on boat trailers are specifically designed using scales that they actually have at their factories to transfer weight specifically. So it's 
right at that 10% weight transferred to the back of the vehicle. Um, and that's why oftentimes you see a lot of boats that might have three axles on the trailer, even though the boat's not necessarily heavy enough for a lot of people to think it needs three axles. It's because when the boat manufacturer built that trailer, and sorry, when they built the boat, and then they determined where the weight of that boat was, they added a third axle simply so the trailer would bear more of the weight so they could get it balanced properly, and the correct amount of weight would be transferred to the back of the truck. So Boat, there's a lot of engineering that actually goes into boat trailers, and um, I, much of I, that is to help determine that. Yeah, I thought they put three axles on both trailers just to show off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you could put awesome aluminum wheels on it, right? No, no. Yeah, that's, that's true, dude. And, and actually, uh, trailer, you know, especially with, you know, the ski boats, uh, pontoon boats are a little bit different. But with ski boats, it's, it's almost like custom made for that boat. I mean, mm -hmm. it is because the shape of the hull usually is determined like where the runners are on the trailer and everything is basically custom made uh, just yep. to handle that type of boat with that type of weight um, right there. Um, but you know what happens with those triple axles that always worries me is like making turns, right? Oh yeah, axle um, drag. Including, including even the fifth wheels with triple axles. It's, you know, you're always kind of dragging the tire and it's not as easy to turn. Um, yeah, that's, that's not great. Yeah. And it's a ton of wear and tear on the bearings and on the hubs of the, the trailer and the, the axle that's bearing that, that brunt. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that they, they automatically see a, a fifth wheel and they say, okay, man, that fifth wheel is so long. Why didn't they put a third axle instead of putting a third axle, they threw twin 8,000 pound axles on there instead of saying, well, let's just be safe and throw three 7,000 pound, pound axles on. And the whole point of that is because they do want to mitigate the amount of stress that you have on those axles, it's, it's unlikely to have an axle failure, but it is likely to have a hub or a tire failure because you have that third axle. So that's kind of the, the thought process behind it. If they can avoid the third axle, they generally will. Toy haulers usually get a third axle for a couple of reasons. They get it because they want to space the amount of ground contact holding the weight out a little bit more, again, because you have that kind of teeter-totter effect of an RV, and it gives you a bit more distribution in terms of balancing the weight out or equalizing it uh, across the RV's frame. That's one reason. But then the other reason, again, is because it just gives you the redundancy in, in the event you do have a failure. If a tire does blow out, you have five other tires that can kind of help support the weight. Yeah, and you, you know, should catch it. And, you know, most recently, the newer trucks, and I like this, um, they now offer easier ways to hook up tire pressure monitors, right, to the truck, so you can kind of know what the trailer is doing. Um, and then camera systems are improving. Um, all those things, I think, are combining for um, really a lot more safety, because sometimes you could see... Um, Let's say if you're monitoring your tire pressures on your trailer inside your truck, which you can now do in a lot of the uh, brand new trucks, um, you can kind of predict or catch the failure almost before it happens. If the pressure spikes up, you know, the tire gets hot or uh, if it's low, right? If, if, if your tire pressures are low for some reason. Yep, you're absolutely right. And monitoring your tire pressure is such an important thing. And, you know, a lot of folks ask me, is temperature as important? And I would say temperature becomes important if you see just a huge spike. But more important than anything, I believe, is tire pressure. Um, your temperature 
especially on tires is going to vary tremendously, even from one side of the trailer to the other, depending on where the sun is. Um, the minute you go from a gray asphalt road to a dark asphalt road, a darker asphalt road, the temperature is going to go up on a hot day with the sun beaming on one side of your trailer. Those tires are going to show higher temperatures. So, you know, temperature is important as long as you don't get to that critical level, because that indicates something's going on. Um, and generally that usually would mean you have an underinflated tire that's just making more contact contact to the ground and it's causing more friction. But pressure is the big one. Pressure, monitoring tire pressure is a huge indicator of, you know, if that tire could potentially fail or if it has failed and it's losing air pressure too fast. Yeah, I've seen a lot of aftermarket systems that also monitor the temperature. And I like that because I'm a kind of a nerd, right? I love data. And um, you can kind of see you know, all the things you just described, mm -hmm. <laughs> but also sometimes those spikes, those dangerous spikes where maybe your load is misbalanced, right? Maybe one axle is taking the brunt of the load and you didn't realize it, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, but I haven't seen factory um, trucks offering that capability as far as monitoring temperatures. Um, and I actually talked to one of the GM engineers about this and what the answer I got was, um, that one is the function of the other. So their perspective was, you know, the pressure and the temperature, they're linked, you know, they're related to each other. Um, so, so like, we'll show you the pressure because, you know, we've, you know, that's an important element, but I was like, mm -hmm. well, you know, more data is always better. You know, when, dealing, when, when dealing with heavy trailers and heavy, heavy loads and, and a driver, which I hope is, you know, is involved enough to actually need all this data and be able to understand it um, and use it. I think more data is always, is always better. Yep. And I, I got a pop quiz for you. Here's an interesting one. So if you have a tandem axle, a tandem axle trailer and your tire, and you have an aftermarket tire pressure monitoring system on it, that's showing you your pressure as well as your temperature. If the pressure in all your tires is the same, but one of your tires on one side, only one of them is heating up. What does that indicate? Well, I think it could be a bearing failure. Oh, yeah, uh, that's absolutely true. So a bearing, uh, what else? bearing failure what else could one, it be? The, that the actual axle or the hub is out of alignment. Mm. So it's actually dragging, it's turning at an angle and it's wanting to pull the trailer. A lot of people don't realize that sway isn't just caused by the wind. There are a lot of other factors that can actually contribute to sway that have nothing to do with the wind, such as if your axles are out of alignment and your trailer is pulling to one side slightly, what is your truck trying to do constantly? pull it back in line. Right, and right. as you go faster, it's just going to exacerbate that and it's going to cause it to go back and forth. An analogy that I like to make to people is, and this kind of goes to that whole bigger is better when it comes to a tow vehicle, is if you're walking like a little chihuahua dog outside and that dog sees that, that German shepherd across the street and decides to go attack it, it doesn't take hardly any effort at all for you to pull your little chihuahua back in line because your weight and your power overpowers that tiny little dog that you're walking. However, if you have the 150 pound, that's a big one, but if you have the 150 pound German shepherd that you're walking and it sees the little chihuahua and that German shepherd wants to take off towards the chihuahua, that dog is very much going to dictate how you walk. It's going to control how you walk to some degree. And depending on how strong or large you are, it may vary 
But that's what it comes down to is you always want your truck to be in control of whatever whatever it's pulling more so than whatever you're pulling to be in control of your truck. And that's my whole premise behind towing safety when it comes to towing with a more capable truck than you oftentimes might need. Yeah, that that's a good, great analogy. Yeah. Um, and um, so I think to summarize uh, what we kind of talked about is um, payload of your truck is very, very important, um, even more important than your towing capacity, because the towing capacities are well, you know, advertised and explained and kind of communicated, but payload capacities often vary. But thankfully, now the trucks actually show you inside the door sticker exactly what it is. So you can exactly know or ask whatever the salesman on the phone or remotely, please check the payload on this truck because I need to know this particular truck exactly, what does it tow? Um, also, um, uh, rear axle ratio plays into this, right? Because it can affect your towing ratings uh, oh, yeah. quite, quite heavily. So um, a lot of, uh, one guy actually emailed me a, a while back and he said, you know, I bought the Ram 1500 with a 321 rear axle. And uh, now I realize that I can no longer tow what I wanted to tow because he thought he yep. was buying a different uh, 390, you know, 392 or 391 rear axle. So yeah, you want to make sure you understand that before you actually uh, buy the truck. That was kind of an unfortunate case. Um, and maybe, you know, the dealership waved their hands or whatever happened, I'm not sure. But, um, and also, you know, the smaller trailers we mentioned, the teardrops, some of the pop-ups. Um, now people want to tell them with everything, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Including little crossover, little SUVs, little, you know, mid-sized truck. Uh, now the compact truck is coming, you know, with the Maverick Ford and the Santa Cruz from Hyundai. So, but I think the same rules apply, right? You know, we mentioned the heavy duty trucks, the, the you know, the one tons, the three quarter tons, and the half tons and the smaller vehicles. Um, so I think still the payload is really important. So check that. Um, of course, within stay within your ratings uh, and actually give yourself a margin, right? Um, a little bit of safety margin, um, maybe 10, 15% if you can, if you can afford that. Um, and then um, just some of the other things we described, you know, monitoring your data, um, just try to control as many variables as possible. Um, and yeah, towing a teardrop that weighs 1500 pounds doesn't sound that daunting. And it's not, you know, it, it, you know a lot of vehicles can handle it very easily. But still, I mean, you need to think about those things. No, you're right. And to your point, um, you know, a 1500 pound teardrop trailer, if you pull up, you know, a lot of people will pull them with even the new Tesla or they'll pull them with, uh, you know, a, a Subaru. Uh, think about it this way. All of these car manufacturers pay very close atten attention to wind coefficient, how wind reacts when it hits the vehicle. Imagine how much you change that dynamic by throwing this big fiberglass box behind it. Um, even if the box doesn't weigh that much, you're dramatically changing how wind affects how wind react or how your setup reacts to wind and how wind reacts when it hits your setup. And those things are very important to understand because, again, the whole point of my channel isn't to tell people they're doing it wrong. It's to simply inform people of suggestions and feedback that might help them have a less stressful RVing experience. What's the point of recreational camping or recreational vehicles if you're stressed out the entire time you're towing it because you may have selected the wrong camper or the wrong tow vehicle? That's all.
Yeah, absolutely. And um, that's kind of where we are too. You know, it's not just uh, having fun with trucks, which we also do, by the way, but um, you know, the, having that experience that's comfortable, right? Because you don't mm -hmm. want to go to the lake, like we talked about with the boat and always, you know, white knuckling it and, you know, being worried about, you know, what's happening, uh, you know, behind you with your trailer. Maybe you're overloaded or something else just happened. So, so yeah. Yep. So, uh, JD, thank you very much for joining me on this show. Oh, it was my pleasure. Yeah. So I always uh, enjoy speaking with you. And um, so hopefully we can, you know, maybe collaborate on other things, maybe on new truck news um, in the near future. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love your channels. I mean, all your channels, they're all great and they all offer so much information. But what's awesome about them is you can tell that they're not scripted. You guys do a fantastic job of delivering just honest information about vehicles. Whether you like it or you don't, you're going to get the reality and you're going to get the truth. And that's why I've, I've watched your channels for so long. I appreciate it, JD. And uh, yeah, I, I keep an eye on your channel, too. I mean, you you do very detailed, you know, uh, those RV trailer reviews. Uh, I like those. I appreciate it, too. Thanks again. All right. I'll see you next time. All right. Take care, Andre. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.